Are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larby. Hey, it's Sarah Larby. You are listening to Where Should I Invest? And today's guest is Ala Lady Gina. That is her last name. And we have some great conversations about her journey coming to Canada and becoming a public health nurse. And she was a surgeon back in the day in her country and in her journey with real estate investing and starting some really amazing groups and, and networking opportunities for women and, and how, you know, she's been able to build her portfolio. So great, a great discussion there. And I hope you guys enjoy the podcast. But before we bring in Ala, Let's hear from Dahlia Barsoom at Streetwise Mortgages on this week's tip of the week. Dahlia, over to you. Hi, I'm Dahlia, founder of Streetwise Mortgages. Spring has sprung, and we're starting to see purchase activity come back to the market. In fact, we're starting to see multiple offers all over again in some markets. On that note, I wanted to share with you a tip about amortization, because as you arrange for a mortgage, Amortization obviously is going to have a big impact on your ability to pay that mortgage fast or slower, as well as on your cash flow. Here's something about amortizations that many clients don't know about. On the residential side, meaning one, two, four unit properties, rental properties, including sometimes five or six unit rental properties, clients assume that they can qualify for 30-year amortization. On the multi-family front, clients assume that they can get a 15-year amortization with CNC. Both of these things are true. They are options that are available to you. However, amortization is bound by what's called the economic life of the property. Think about it this way. If you're going to lend money on a property, you want to make sure that property is going to outlive the loan. So if a lender is giving you a loan at a 30-year amortization, they want to make sure that property is going to outlive that 30-year by at least five years. The economic life is something that the appraisers talk about in the appraisal report. And the age of the property, as well as its condition, influence that number. I've seen sometimes amortizations come below what's expected. However, going back to the appraiser with context around what the property is all about, any work you've done on it can sometimes help the situation. And I've seen appraisers reconsider the economic life with proper context because a lot of things can really go wrong based on assumptions and clarification communication, and context are everything. So keep that in mind. Now, if you're going to select amortization, assuming the economic life is there, I invite you to consider the longest amortization that is possible. So on a residential property, go for a 30 years. If you are qualifying with a B lender, take the 35 year or the 40 year. On the commercial side, multifamily side, if you're applying for a CMHC mortgage and the property qualifies, take the extended amortization. 
Why? Because an extended amortization is going to offer you breathing room. It will help your cash flow, especially in these markets we're in right now. Give yourself choices. You can always control what's called the effective amortization on a mortgage through the prepayment privileges. So let's take a 30-year AM mortgage. If you were to go with a bi-weekly accelerated payment, you can cut off about four years of the life of that mortgage. You can cut that down to about 26 years. What you will see in the market is that some lenders are going to offer you discounted rates on shorter amortizations. Don't be tempted to just look at the rate. Look at the big picture. Yes, you're going to get a more expensive rate taking a 30-year. But if you go to a rate calculator and run them out, you will see that your cash flow is going to be better as a result of the extended amortization despite the higher interest rate. And then you can choose how fast or slow you want to go. To support investors who are currently purchasing properties, we are offering a fantastic promotion, not just in Ontario, but across many other provinces, including Alberta, British Columbia, Nova Scotia, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba, and New Brunswick. And here is what it is. If you are buying a residential property of one to four years, and you are submitting an offer to us within the next 90 days, regardless of the closing date, then we are happy to cover all of your legal fees, excluding disbursements. If you're buying something $700,000 or more, and we would cover half of your legal fees, excluding disbursement, if you're buying something $500,000 or more. If you are in the market for a monthly family property, whether you're purchasing or refinancing, then we are giving back $5,000 cash back for loan amounts above a million dollars. Again, if you submit your deal to us within the next 90 days, regardless of the closing date, we are here to support you. We're happy to answer any of your questions. If you would like to utilize these promotions, email us at info at streetwisemortgages.com and use the code cover my legal fees. Awesome. Thank you, Dahlia. Now, guys, keep in mind, too, if you haven't booked your summer vacation yet, we have all-inclusive packages at the resort. Check those out at inspirebeachresort.com. We have some really awesome curated packages that include the food, the activities, and a lot more. And uh, there's you know, packages starting from two people as a romantic couple's getaway up to micro weddings, corporate events, family and friends reunions. We have bachelorettes, packages, and everything in between. So check that out, inspirebeachresort.com. And now let's bring in Ella into the show. Ella, welcome to the show. How are you? Hi, Sarah. Good. Nice to see you yeah. and be here. Yeah, I mean, we saw each other over the weekend at a networking event, but it's, it's nice to have you on the show. I can't wait for you to share your background and your real estate adventures with the audience. So it'll be fun. Uh, thank you for inviting me. For many months, I've been on the other side of the screen, and I guess it's my time now to share. Amazing. Amazing. So let's, I think you have an amazing past history story and, you know, and how you came and got into real estate. So, you know, share whatever you're comfortable sharing and, and then we'll go from there just about, you know, how you came to become 
in this, you know, in today's world, a full-time real estate investor. Yeah, I guess this is the most exciting part for now as of today is that not too long ago, just a couple of weeks ago, I left my job, which at some point, like eight years ago, was something desirable and exciting. And it was a place to grow then, but now it sounds like it's time to change everything. So I'm done with nine to five path. Yeah, what can I say? I should have done that much sooner, much like long ago. But that's another reminder that never wait for until you're fully ready. Just do it when you think you may be okay doing that. So first and foremost, congratulations for officially, I should say, quote unquote, retiring from the nine to five. That is a huge accomplishment. Now, you know, as real estate investors, we're not fully retired. We're always kind of just doing, you know, deals here and there. Regardless, I think it's just in our passion. It's in our blood. I don't think we can just sit there, you know, and maybe some people can, but many of us can't. So, so you left your job just recently, but let's kind of backtrack to when you started investing in real estate and, and how you got started. Accidentally, we didn't know what, what was the name, what was the fancy term. We didn't know that we were becoming investors. It was just me and my husband and my son. We just wanted to have some security for future. And we realized that renting is not the way to it. And we got a small condo. And a couple of uh, years later, we realized that, you know what, we can and we probably should do something with force appreciation. And we wanted to be on the land and we bought a small bungalow, renovated it with lots of blood and sweat and tears. And then we moved closer to my job, which I actually recently left. So we didn't want to sell the first place. And that's how we became landlords. And soon after that, we refinanced that and we bought our third property. So we made the perfect burr, not knowing that we were doing burr. Uh, we were just doing what was making sense for our future, for our dreams, for plan, because we, we were always strategically planning. We always look ahead a couple of steps as much as we can and plan our today accordingly, as much as I believe that we need to plan strategically as we're going to live forever. We also need to live today. Absolutely. So, I mean, you're not, you didn't just leave a regular job. Like you had a career, like it was actually a good career. Do you mind? Like, I don't know if, you know, you're able to share what you did as a career prior to leaving. I was working in public health as a public health nurse. And uh, yeah, this is a very desirable career for government for which many people are <clears throat> like working to get that job for just like myself several years ago. Because once you get it, you're pretty much secure for all your life. You get a good pension, you get good benefits. I would say excellent benefits. And you have just nothing to worry about, but live in comfort for virtually ever. It sounds like for me, this is the comfort and security is not the highest values. And it's not the first time that I walk away from a career. Many years ago, I walked away from a career of a surgeon in another country. I never looked back. I chose to immigrate to another country. Uh, with just a three-year-old son. That's what we did with my husband. And you know what? Never looked back. So right now what's happening, I'm considering that immigration to in third dimension because I hear from people the same things like, oh, what are you going to do there? Like, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. Or, And at the same time, people who are already there, they're like, oh my God, yes, the best decision I've ever made. Oh yeah, you will be like remembering this time as the, one of the most exciting times of your life. So that's what keeps me going, because even though that sounds exciting, it's also a hard decision. And those risks, they should be elevated. That's why there shouldn't be a shiny object syndrome, because on Instagram, as you say, as you know, 
it all sounds so beautiful and shiny. Oh, I left my job. I retired. No, it's probably not going to be that easy and that shiny. It's going to be lots of work. It's going to be lots of going out of the comfort zone. But it's also about what works for you, what works for you now. And can you hold on to it a little bit longer? In my case, I couldn't. It was just every day was so depressing. And I knew that I could do more. My I belong to another place already. So that's awesome. I, lo- I love it. So, you know, you went from living in a country, three-year-old son, being a surgeon to packing it and going into Canada where, you know, you, it's like a whole new culture, a whole new way of living, got a nursing job and then fell into real estate, which is also incredible because, you know, like you mentioned, like comfort and security isn't your thing. It's not my thing either. It's, you know, out of all of the, I feel like there's like a hierarchy, like freedom is up there. For freedom me. is up there. Yeah. And probably for many investors as well, right? Like for me, it was always about like leaving the nine to five, having the ability to have my own schedule and my time. And so you finally did it. What was it? Like, what was it that you said, this is really time for me to leave my 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 career, my job to continue real estate full time? You know what? It was hard for me to articulate that until I saw that, until I heard that multiple times from other women at our social networking events from our speakers. That was exactly the same thing all over and over said by multiple women that I was just going to some kind of stress of depression while you still can function well, like cognitively, but not when you're at work. And uh, every day you were going to that nine to five, sitting in front of the computer and feeling that you're like slowly going crazy just by doing the same thing. I think it's coming just from that vision, from the values, from that feeling of belonging that it's you're not already here. And in my case, it just came to that as much as I tried to hold on to it, but it, my brain was already in another place Con- comparing to the speed of my brain during other activities. This one was just like not highest and best use of my skills. So I knew that, okay, I have to, that's exactly me. I heard that from other people. I'm like, okay, this is exactly me. I need to withdraw myself because I made this environment already toxic for me. I need to change this or I need to stop blaming the system, the lifestyle, the interest rates raising, like I cannot leave this job, anything like that. You either keep yourself accountable for what is going on, for what are you feeling, for what are you doing, or just stop complaining. So I decided to make that step. So you took matters into your own hands, decided, you know, and it's a big step to make. And now looking back at it, so how many weeks has it been? Because it's still fairly recent. Was it how many weeks ago? Yeah, it's less than a month. Okay. And less than a month. So far, you know, and it it might be still very soon, but like how has your schedule or your life or like just your mind changed since then? My mind changed the very next moment I sent that resignation letter. And it's it's extremely liberating. And I can, I see myself, I feel myself finally like finally i am who i am this is the true me and i think this is normal because we we constantly evolve and right now i feel like i'm fully evolved as a, into full-time real estate investor i've been doing that pretty actively for the last several years and uh, i already gained all those skills and there is lots of real estate in my schedule on like everyday basis but now i feel like this is it this is where i feel like i'm i belong and also, I feel like this is this will be a lifelong marathon. So it, uh, what I'm what I do know, there should not be a burnout. As as you always say, always have fun during the process. 
So if you feel like you're burning out, it's okay to do it for a month or maybe two. Or if you're bringing the new business baby to life, that's okay. Yeah, like nourish it for a while. But if it's becoming a routine for a year or more, you need to change something. Because if our brain and our energy and focus start to go down, then we're bringing very little value to our businesses as leaders, as, as owners. We need to make sure that our saw is very sharp. I mean, life is short, right? We hear of people, you know, with cancer, heart, you know, heart oh, issues. Yeah, 100%. People not like, like crashes or accidents. Like you never, we never know what's going to happen, right? Yep. And, yep. and that's like also why I love investment, investments too, because some, sometimes people think, oh, that's for because you think too far what's going to happen in 25 years. Well, no, you think about that today because you know that life is too short. Mm. You cannot delay those questions. And sometimes just little tweak, slight edge with the decision that you make today will give you huge benefits in the future because those accidents may not happen and you may live until like 86, what, 97, the healthcare, well, don't touch healthcare topic. Yeah, it's all interconnected and it's very funny because for me, real estate investment with all those numbers and sophisticated excels and relationships and huge networking that you have to keep in mind and all those strategy being creative, all that comes to real life and it's all super connected. When you see, for example, your money partners and you know that, for example, the strategy that you use for all your other money partners for this family just won't work. Mm -hmm. But you really want them to be able to secure some kind of equity in a good building. And you started to think sometimes during the night, okay, what can I do so that they can become the owners of some kind of starter share in the building? And then you come up with some kind of solution because I don't know, because they use HELOC for, mm -hmm. for the down payment and they cannot cover the cost of that monthly payment. And you come up with some kind of creative structure and it works for everyone. This is where the sparkle comes in. And awesome. this is also what I know as a public health professional from before. This is where when we give that opportunity for financial stability, we're maybe not talking about freedom necessarily for everyone, yeah. but with that piece of financial stability, how we can protect all other social determinants of health, how we can provide them the shelter, the money for food safe neighborhoods and all that stuff. For me, that all comes together and boil in one big, huge pot mm. of healthy society and healthy nation, if you, you will. You brought I keep me back. thinking about those things. <laughs> you brought me back a little bit to my nursing school days because I, you know, I never, like, I, I finished it, but I, that we did the public health nursing. So, so yeah. you and then all the pieces that you just mentioned, right? The shelter. Yeah, that was my reality for seven years, right? Yeah. And I truly love it with all my heart. And the concept of public health is very similar. It's funny, we're talking about that right now. But the concept of public health is very similar to investment because you need to spend before you need. And with public health, I also was fascinated that every dollar invested in public health into prevention is actually coming back as $7 saved in healthcare. So very similar to investment in money. You need to think about those investments before you need the money, like long before. And that, and that money and being time in the market is going to help multiply that dollar, right? Yeah, Whether yeah. Seven just, times, just like you mentioned. <laughs> yeah, just clear strategic plan and discipline every day. And mm -hmm. sometimes that plan will, do, will take care of, it, of itself for years. Absolutely. And then the results will be amazing, whether we're talking about healthy nation or wealthy, or generational wealth. Absolutely. So, so let's talk about your portfolio a little bit. Like what types of properties do you add to your portfolio? Portfolio Are you currently buying? Um, like what, what's, so, there's tons of strategies, right? And then also, are you involving JVs or are you strictly scaling on your own? And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. 
This week's podcast is brought to you by usproperties.ca. Are you looking to invest in turnkey US real estate that provides exceptional cash flow and appreciation? If so, reach out to James at james at usproperties.ca or visit the company website, usproperties.ca for more information. And now back to the show. So we work, we own Horizon Capital Real Estate Group. My husband is the leader and I'm the second leader. And we are currently focused on buying six and more units in South Ontario. We're closing on a com- rental complex of eight townhouses in Pembroke in June, I believe, beginning of June or the end of May. And yes, there was a shift for us. At some point, we realized that, yes, we need to scale from, say, fourplexes to commercial financing build- building buildings of that type. And yes, adding the joint venture partners as well. Because this is the way for us that will work. This is the way how we see our potentials going the best way. Because we, when we were starting, we would be doing flooring, tiling, demo, like all kinds of stuff. Just because we didn't have, we didn't know any better and we didn't have any other experience. So we had to go that way. Then later, we learned very quickly, again, I have like we both are highly educated he has a uh, he's a phd in technology so we while we do what is necessary to do we also our biggest skill is in the brain so we had to be responsible with this and use this the right way and uh, yeah right now we see our place just combining those deals and seeing again creatively how all the parties can be and there was, there was a couple of times when I had to convince my GVs and chase them. So who they were my friends okay. to whom I knew that would be so unethical not to get them on board because I know they have kids and I love those kids. And I was just like, okay, we got to see them. You have to look at the numbers. But that was probably the exclusion of, of the rule because otherwise, thank God, we don't have to necessarily do it that hard. But, yeah, so I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to add because like, you know, it's hard, right? Because on one hand, you want to help your friends. And it sounds like for you, it's gone really well. But we hear so many stories that when, you know, you help your friends and your family, those are usually over and over. I would agree. The ones that fall through the cracks. So what is it that you are maybe doing to maybe avoid some of the downsides of bringing your friends and family into deals? Because I, you know, I feel like a lot of those relationships can go sideways very fast. No, yeah, it's worse than marriage, I think. So you have to be more careful. I would say vet them the same way as you would do any other joint venture partners. Just the fact that they're your friends or family doesn't mean anything, really. Sometimes it's even worse because the expectation sometimes uh, are totally different. Plus, with friends and families, family, we tend not to explain exactly what are our expectations. And we assume that our friends, they would understand, especially family, that they would understand. So that miscommunication go a very, like, separates the parties very far. So when I said, like, my chasing my two, there was only two cases. Chasing my friends, I know them for a very long time, and they've been watching our journey for a very long time. So that's first. Second, I know that they're coming with all the criteria that we have. For joint venture partners, yeah, just uh, yeah, you rose It's other than those two two people, like I didn't have to think about that way. So yeah, I know some stories, just horrible, mm-hmm. horrible stories. So are they just doing... them the same way as anybody else? 
Right, right. Are they doing like just one deal each or are they doing multiple deals? Like are you bringing them into multiple deals at a time? So the one of them is in two deals already and the second one is in one deal. Okay. All right. Awesome. So what are some things you mentioned vetting your friends similar to how you would vet? You but know? these are the friends. These yeah. Are the, we're talking about those friends, JVs. Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. But what are some things that you would recommend that investors look for in joint venture partners? Like what are some ways that you would recommend somebody vets potential JV or their friends, right? If somebody's listening to this and they have some friends and they're like, oh, I could reach out to some friends of mine about JVs, like like maybe just some tips on how to approach them or, you know, mm -hmm. some things that you learned through your experience doing that. Yeah, I think it's coming to like sales kind of thing in general. First of all, what you need to do, like no matter who you're talking to, don't be desperate. Don't bring the conversation, don't bring your deal to the point of desperation, because if you're desperate and this is the only one source, probably you're not going to be positioned well in that negotiation. And there is always negotiation. And the same one partner can be either good or bad if you structure the deal not well. As always, allow that time to talk to joint venture partner and listen to them. Don't try to bring all the wisdom to the conversation. Try to hear them out and see what, what are their expectations. What are the numbers that they're expecting? What are the terms that they're expecting? What do they want to get? Do they want equity? Do they want cash flow? Do you want just to make sure that they're covering their expenses on daily basis? I mean, on monthly basis, but stay in mm -hmm. the deal. Maybe just they just want to be, uh, maybe they just want to borrow you that RSP that they have at the higher level. Or maybe something else which we both cannot even think about, but they do know that. Mm -hmm. So that would be my first suggestion because the same one joint venture partner can become a nightmare if you didn't hear them out and you just assumed what you think they would need. And you also make, can say, I don't know, like lose equity for nothing. Maybe they don't even value the equity you're giving them and right. you're just giving that out. And that's probably your uh, most expensive money. But other than that, I would look just, uh, some people call it the beer test. If you wouldn't have a beer with those people, don't even consider them. Or you may call it a coffee test. I don't know. If uh, if you wouldn't, ha wouldn't like to sit with them and have a chat over the cup of coffee and maybe even laugh or just have a good conversation, don't even go into details with them. Another big rule, I think, is don't ever get the last money of the people. Not because that makes the pe the people wrong. It just will make the it it will put lots of unnecessary pressure on 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 your deal and on yourself and on your money partners. They will be chasing you all the time and watching like what's going on with my hundred dollars. Did we get the one hundred cash flow or not yet? Yeah, no, I hundred percent think that. It like you cannot take somebody's last hundred thousand dollars or only a hundred thousand dollars because like they will not sleep you will not sleep and you know there are there is a level of risk to real estate investing regardless you have to have yes, the always and i think also it needs to go back to like we talked about security comfort freedom i think there's love belonging i can't remember what the all the other you know ones are that in the categories of you know how people are motivated and what they prefer uh, you've got to have, I think, somebody with some level potentially of freedom as part of their like top three things. But if I think if it's comfort and security, I don't know if real estate is necessarily the right realm or the right investment type for somebody that values comfort and security above all else and won't be able to sleep at night. You know, and if freedom is at the bottom of the totem pole, I mean, this is just me like, you know, thinking of this and saying it as we think about it. But I worry that they're going to lose sleep over potential downsides like their risk yeah. tolerance is going to be just different because they're not willing to forego some comforts or discomforts and the lack of security for potential upside and freedom down the road 
Yeah, it's it reminds me also another rule: don't take any doctors, engineers, or accountants as a joint venture partner. I, I actually will be... say, I actually will say because I have three that are doctors and they're all awesome. But they're yeah, also I like, they're lawyer. also investors. Lawyers? No, I haven't done lawyers yet. I have a lawyer, and he does have, and he does ask lots of questions, like nonsense, like so many, like it's like whatever, like doesn't matter, change it in the joint venture agreement or somewhere else. Because I think it's because it's a professional thing. Oh, yeah. and same with teachers. So they lead every little detail. They try to like literally learn everything in just one night, which is obviously not possible. But mm-hmm. it's a joke too, of course. Like yeah. it's a joke with a part of a true in it. So <laughs> just something like if you see that a person is going to picking going to be picking on every single line, like you may to not necessarily prioritize them in your list of joint venture partners kind of thing. Well, it's to also like it's also like if you're going to lease a unit out, do you really want to lease it out to a paralegal? <laughs> Not that you're doing anything wrong, but like that will always be in my mind. Like, are they going to play the system or like a property manager? Or like, and I'm not saying that like it'll happen for sure, but it always is like a little bit of a risk for the landlord, right? Just like maybe working with a lawyer as a JV partner, like they'll likely know how to, you know, read contracts better than all of us. So we just have to be very, oh, yeah. very oh, yeah. sharp. So, yeah, yeah, this is this is a really interesting thing. Speaking again, how real estate is actually tied to our normal, real, everyday life and how much this business is not about bricks and mortars. This is about relationships and our ability to learn what people may need and what they can bring to the partnership. Mm-hmm. This whole partnership. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Experience Inspire Beach Resort. It is the resort that we have been building and it is ready. So if you are looking to host events, team building opportunities, retreats of your own, and just even potentially hang out with your friends or family or colleagues, you can rent out a cabin, you can rent out the entire resort. Inspire Beach Resort, it is an adults only, it is Canada's only themed resort specifically for adults and the themes are really nice they're really upscale like you have like the beach theme you've got a rustic lodge theme and a vintage hollywood and we are adding more every year but there is uh, an awesome space that is on the water to host your retreats your events your business meetings planning meetings all of that good stuff so check that out inspirebeachresorts.com now back to the show yeah no exactly you need to love it you need to love it and it's to, a to long, be able to do it. long-term partnership. I mean, you're like married to each other for three years, five years, 10 years. I mean, these aren't quick. I mean, unless you're doing flips. That's actually me. not a great mm-hmm. point that, yeah, because to discuss before you enter the partnership, discuss mm-hmm. the exit strategies. Because oftentimes I see that people don't realize that we're going to keep the building and only uh, reevaluate the scenario mm-hmm. in five, 10 years, especially yeah. now when everything becomes longer. Make sure that your JV understands that they probably should not claim the money, like the whole thing, until five, 10 years down the road, because that's where they will get the most of the benefits. And sometimes we see that it's not working for everyone. Yeah, great point. So it's also important to discuss divorce before you get married or get yeah. that contract. Definitely, definitely look at the exit and then just even contingencies. What happens if somebody gets ill or gets sick, needs to sell for whatever reason? You know, all that stuff is just really important to have as conversations ahead of time and put it in writing, right? So that it, it's clear, uh, you know, no back of the napkin math, no back of the napkin contracts, like no handshakes, no like write it in on a piece of paper with the lawyers, get everything signed because 
this is the easiest way to avoid potential future problems if everybody, you know, from the start knows what the expectations and stuff like that are. So I do want to talk to you about the group, the women's group that you have started. So tell us about that. What is it called? Why did you start it? And, you know, whatever else you want to share about it. Well, this is not a group. This is a professional association of women in Canada working in real estate. And it's very exciting because technically all women in real estate in Canada are somehow under our care, I would say, because we work for them and uh, we see uh, we watch everything what's going on in Canada being done by other female groups and cl social clubs and uh, which events are happening, even if it's, say, a one-off done by someone. And we bring all this information so that all women in Canada could benefit from that. Yes, we do have membership too, but, but the whole association is open. Like we have offline meetings every month, which everyone can attend. And we highly encourage every woman to attend. And the vision for that is, for the association, is that every woman working in real estate in Canada is a member of the association year after year, basically like virtually forever. And the goal is set like that so that the more members we have, the more quality feedback we can get from women and the better we can target our products to what they need. Because with women in real estate right now, we see the changes that are happening on extremes, probably record speed. Everything's developing so fast. And I think that even women themselves don't know what we're capable of, how much, what's going to be the share of women in real estate, in wealth in Canada. We know that this is unprecedented moment when so much wealth is being transferred to women, just simply because we see the huge wealth transition event and we see unprecedented amount of women, number of women participating in those activities. So this multiplied by this, naturally we're coming to so many women who are in, involved in wealth transition. And it's really, on one hand, it's really empowering. On the other hand, it's only empowering if women take that opportunity and they take the action. Because the fact that, yes, you can now participate in this can only benefit you if you participate in this. And you are a great example of a young, beautiful woman who are doing amazing things with phenomenal results. That's why we want women to see investors like you so that they know that you can do it to, to some of your extents. Maybe you need just one, two rental properties. Maybe that's just all you need to change the life of yours and your kids and to be independent. And to bring your relationships to a more healthy level because you're not financially dependent on your partner and you stay with the partner because you are in healthy relationships with him, not because of any other needs. Yeah, no, because for sure. I mean, I love the concept. I love the association. You know, like, like I think you mentioned, I had the privilege of speaking at your last events, which was great. And it's just nice to see the dynamic, the community come together, um, all the different speakers, the value. Where, like, where can somebody go and find out more about the association? Probably the easiest for people is Instagram. Okay. We should tag this. It's Canadian RE Women Association with dots. Probably I'll send, we'll tag it somewhere. Also the website, crewa.ca, C-R-E-W-A dot C-A. Facebook as well. Also, you can find me or send us an email at info at crewa.ca. We're very accessible. We're pretty active on Instagram. 
And we highly encourage all questions. If you have any questions, send that to us and we'll try to answer or match you with some services or meetings maybe in your city. And you're Canada-wide, right? Yes, we're Canada-wide. We're all, At the same time, we promote other groups who are maybe were started in U.S., but they operate here in Canada as well. So we would promote them all the way because for us, it's not that important where the group started. For us, the critical piece is that the group is promoting success of women in real estate in Canada. That's same awesome. happens with, with men. We're not women-only association. We always have women, sorry, men speakers and men guests in audience because our goal is not to limit this to women. Our goal is to do anything what can help women. And it's not about fighting with another or with the opposite sex. It's it's about finding the right algorithm, a new algorithm, how to communicate, how to be in right partnership, which is working today so that we can bring both of us to the to the best of our potential. So that's the idea. Amazing. I love it. I mean, congratulations on the association and creating it. And, you know, it's very excited. It is exciting for sure. So, so Ala, the next part of the podcast is a lightning round. I'm going to ask you five questions that every guest gets the same ones. You can give me the first answer in like 10, 15 seconds or less. You ready? Yes. Welcome to your midterm tip of the week. This week we talk about what do you need when booking a midterm rental property? If you are looking to book a midterm rental property, there are a few pieces of information that will be required to complete your booking. One, where is your primary residence? You will be required to show proof of primary residence that you currently live in or that you will be moving into very shortly. Two, you will need to have proof of payment. Payment will be required upfront and a credit card will be requested upon check-in. A booking deposit will also be required that will turn into a damage deposit at your time of booking. Three, you will be required to present the reason for your stay, why you will be looking for a midterm rental property. And third, the duration of your stay we would like to know how long you will need a midterm rental property. For more information on the requirements of staying in a midterm rental, please visit www.midtermrentalproperties.com. All right, number one, what is your favorite real estate investing book? One? One, yeah. Mm, okay, let me call Quentin D'Souza and Andrew Brannan because their orange book was the one that changed my life. I read it and I didn't realize. Oh, for five seconds. Yeah, that's it. Because I read it and that's how I realized that I can do it. Okay, cool. And it's called The Orange Book or it's just an, a book that's orange by Quentin and Andrew? The Ultimate Wealth Strategy. Okay, awesome, awesome. All right, cool. Number two. It's basically about Burr. Nice. Number two, this doesn't have to be real estate per se, but you have a favorite podcast. Just one. You're kidding me. Just one. Okay, where should I invest? Well, I mean, they're already listening to this. So any other ones that you joined doesn't have to be real estate. Okay, you know what? You know what? Team Toronto started a new podcast and it's featuring only women okay. investors. Okay. All right. Awesome. Number three, what do you do for fun? Travel. Where's the last place you've been to? Oh, Italy. 
Italy like where you made your decision. <laughs> that's where, isn't yes, that where you made true. your decision to leave your job? Well, the decision was brewing slowly, but yes, my sisters, one of my sisters lived there and she was like, so what's the conversation then? Like, are you enjoying? Like, are you planning? Are you growing there? I'm like, so what's the nonsense? Just leave the job. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> that's the power of the older sister. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. All right. Number well, was there. Number four, if you lost everything tomorrow, all of your real estate, your assets, your money, how would you start again? Do I still keep my connections with people? Yeah. Yeah, I would do exactly the same what I'm doing right now. I would be raising all the funds from other people and investing them into commercial, real estate, residential. Okay. Somewhere in tertiary market, potentially living in one of the units, even though it doesn't give me the benefits, but that would save me money. Okay. All right. Great answer. Final Question number five, if somebody has $50,000, it used to be a lot when I first started this podcast. It's not the same anymore with all the inflation, but it's still 50 grand regardless. How would you recommend somebody spend that money if they wanted to get started? 50. You need to change that, Sarah. You know what? It's, it, that's the part of the challenge. You know, now we're going to keep the same number and it's just going to be a harder challenge. But I've, there's still great answers out there. I would definitely probably leave some. It's not, I don't think it's enough to purchase something while not moving too far from good network. So I would invest part of it into some kind of not too expensive coaching. And with the rest, I would start some kind of active business very close to one of the successful or several successful investors. And it would be just hanging around them, trying to be helpful as much as they can while saving, saving all the proceeds. And the second step, I would buy definitely some kind of burr with house hacking. Okay. All right. Thank you for playing the lightning round. Ala, where is the best place for my listeners to reach out and find out more? Well, for me, the Instagram or okay. Facebook. Yeah. Facebook or Instagram, the same ones that you listed earlier, correct? Yep. Okay. Lady awesome. Gina. And that is a true last name for those that are. That's my list. true last name. Yeah. Just don't wondering. call me Gina. <laughs> awesome. Ella, thank you so much for being on the show and, and congrats on, on not only leaving and retiring from the corporate world and doing your own thing with the freedom, but also starting a women's empowerment association. That is really exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. With all the six males in my household, I need to have a break. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larvey. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest?